Well, hey there, everybody. This is Michelle Bell, who oversees ASI's editorial team, and I am here with Michael Scott Cohen from the New York-based company Harper & Scott, who is one of the first companies we're announcing is on the 2019 Best Places to Work list. Congratulations, Michael. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm happy to uh, speak with you. Yeah, thanks so much for making the time. And, you know, I'm just going to dive right in because I'm kind of fascinated by your company. And one of the things that I find really intriguing, and especially because you're based in New York, you know, we hear a lot right now about unemployment being at a generational low. Yeah. So I'm curious the tactics that you guys use to, you know, keep and find and retain and motivate and all that good stuff. Uh, salespeople and just staff in general, because I know it's really tough. And I would think in New York City in particular, it can be very difficult. Absolutely. I mean, with the economy the way it is, is, is great. The disadvantage is that the pool of people looking for employment is very small. And so the first thing that we have to do is focus on retention. And uh, how can we make Harper & Scott the best place for people to want to be it for a very long period of time and grow within? And so uh, while we focus on retention, we're also growing. And uh, I think we're one of the fastest companies in this space. Uh, we're 47 employees now and a little over five years of being in business. And so we also need to recruit and, um, we, we want to attract the best and the brightest, not just in New York, but elsewhere. We have an office in Chicago and one in San Francisco and, uh, also we, tight we labor markets, by the way, also tight, also, yeah. also tight labor markets. Yeah. So uh, a lot of our, a lot of our recruiting efforts comes from, uh, internal referrals, who sure. knows who, where. And um, we find that that's really the best approach. Uh, but obviously, LinkedIn has been very successful for us as well in posting. So you guys have been around for five years. And do you have employees that have been with you for that duration? Yeah, we have quite a few, which is very exciting. Um, we have, and what's even more exciting is to see their growth. Um, we have assistant account managers who started with us five and a half years ago that are now senior account managers. We have somebody who started with us as an account manager that's now our VP of production and running an eight-person department and overseeing uh, our presence overseas as well. So it's good to see uh, people that have been with us a long time, but also uh, different growth paths that they've taken internally and changes they've made for us. Gotcha. You know, you and I have never met, but I'm looking at uh, a photo right now of you and John, and you look fairly young to me. What's the average age of your staff? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I am actually turning 36 in a few weeks. Um, but I, I would say the average age of, of somebody who works at Harper and Scott is in their late 20s, early 30s. Gotcha. Um, definitely. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a great crew that we have here. And um, I think that w what, what's interesting is that we don't care how old you are, how many years of experience you have. If you want to try to go after a role in the company, we want you to not just apply for that role, but also create create new opportunities for yourself within the company. So I, I say that because somebody could be 25 years old and still have a director title, for instance, sure. because they, uh, they've really earned that year. So, Michael, though, do you see a difference in motivating younger staffers? Certainly, you know, look, the oldest members of Gen Z are in the workforce now, and certainly millennials. Do you see, um, as far as motivating and incentivizing them, do you have to do things a little bit differently? I guess my question is, what drives them specifically, that age group, that younger demographic? 
it's uh, a good question. I think that the, the pillars of what people look for in employers is still the same from when I was in the workforce, when I first got in the workforce in 2005 to today, which is uh, aligning aligning themselves with employers who speak to their values and somebody who's going to be loyal to them as uh, an owner of a company or who leads the company whether that's um, social or, or fiscal uh, policies that they have in place. And so um, we have obviously well-paying jobs, which compensation is definitely a part of it. But um, what other ancillary benefits are we offering? It could be really menial things like snacks or sometimes having uh, lunch or breakfast sponsored by the, uh, by the office here. Mm-hmm. But, but really what I, I think it, it's going towards now is, is making sure that there are, as, as employees or as uh, partners of the team, they want to be with uh, people who actually care about society and aligning ourselves and making sure that we're socially responsibility, socially uh, sourcing in, mm-hmm. in the way that we're sourcing the products that we're, we're buying. But also, uh, since we're John and I, as you mentioned, we're two guys that are owners of the companies. How can we put women ahead in in this company? And so, ninety percent of our staff is women. Really? Uh, we just hired our, our first CFO. She's a woman. She comes from Bain Capital. She's exceptionally intelligent, and uh, we want to continue rounding out our, our C suite um, with with a whole diverse cast, but uh, definitely putting women in charge of, of different departments and different roles. And we have a board now, a formal board. Uh, so we want to make sure that we have women on the board and uh, other diverse groups as well so that we're just not representing John and I, but we're representing the team here at Harper and Scott. Well, kudos to you for that, honestly. Yeah. Um, when you dealing with the team, do you find uh, one thing that came through over and over again when we looked at the companies who made it to the best places to work list, that flexibility in the workplace was just a huge driver as far as employee satisfaction. Do you find that at, at your company as well? <laughs> yes. Up until uh, recently, we didn't have a vacation or a sick policy. You just take off whenever you want to. What and, changed? Uh, well, the, the the team members here changed that. They said, uh, and it was true, that most people felt bad taking days because they didn't know what was appropriate and what wasn't. Ah. So we had this policy that we didn't actually care if you take off two weeks or five weeks as long as you get the job done and uh, clients don't feel like there's something missing, then, then definitely take that for yourself. So instead, we asked them what they would like us to implement and it was uh, still a flexible policy in terms of it's not defining how many sick days or how many uh, vacation days specifically just how many days off is appropriate and so we have a 15 pto day policy you can take off whether you're sick whether you just want to work from home or whether you want to travel but it's 15 days not including holidays obviously Um, and we do close the office between christmas and new year's as well so that's an addition to it that's great. And do you offer, do people telecommute in your office? We have uh, one person in L.A. that does, uh, but for the most part, people are here. And, okay. and it is important to have people here. I mean, sometimes they'll, if they want to work from home on Friday, that, that they're more than welcome to do that. In the summertime, we have summer Fridays. Um, but for the most part, we want to have people in the office. Collaboration is, is really important for us, especially because we're a creative agency, first and foremost. 
I know that we're an ASI company in the branded merchandise space, but creativity comes first. And you have to really be in the office to collaborate to make that happen. Sure. So what's on your wish list for the company insofar as, you know, how it relates to continuing to build a thriving team? Um, whether or, you know, obviously you communicate with them. Do you survey your people? Are you asking them every quarter, every month, you know, things that, that they want to see that you guys can do differently, that you can do better? Are they asking for a foosball team and a margarita machine? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, all of the above. Um, it, it's, it's a few different. It's a few different things. Uh, we're we're moving offices in the first quarter of 2020 to a much larger space, and so we definitely sent out a survey to all of all the team members here to ask for suggestions on what they would like in the new office and uh, how it could be as comfortable as possible for them. So definitely surveying all the time. We have different snacks in the office and drinks that we're always surveying. But I think more importantly, it's continually how can we attract the best team members in New York or San Francisco or Chicago or wherever we are. And part of that is rounding out your benefits package, especially as you're a team of under 100 employees in New York. We're subjected to this pool that we only can choose from a certain amount of insurance carriers. And so we're trying to figure out as we grow from 47 employees to 90 employees, what can we do? And uh, I mentioned that we have a lot of women that work here. Yep. So the next thing I, I challenged our director of operations with is, um, you know, this is a, a little bit of a personal topic, but uh, my wife and I, we just celebrated our, our twin three-year birthday today. Ah, and they were, thank you. And uh, we had uh, fertility treatments in order to have them. We went through IVF. Gotcha. And I know the financial pain that comes along with that. And most insurance does not pick that up. Mm -hmm. And it could be tens, tens of thousands, if not more dollars. And so I tasked our director of operations to really find benefits that will help cover costs that whether it's somebody who goes for IVF or IUI or adoption, something that helps them offset the high cost. Again, we're, we're mainly women here, and we know that a lot of them being in their late 20s or early 30s are possibly thinking about having babies over the next decade. Sure. And so how can we how can we how can we find that next best benefits package? Well, that's great. Really. I mean, that's something that I had not heard before that and to actively look into that, I think that's fantastic. I've heard of I've heard of one company that was out there that just started that that helps with this, um, but I'll let you know what she said what she comes up with. Yeah, please do. This, this should not be a Harper and Scott exclusive benefit. Obviously, right. if it's something that can benefit the industry, then uh, I'm more than happy to tell you our findings. That's great. Thank you. And I, I guess I, I would also ask you, it sounds like you're going to be staffing up and you're you're ever in hiring mode. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. It is accurate. <laughs> so what are some lessons, Michael, that you've learned along the way as a as a business owner, not even a, just a young business owner, but a business owner in general, that you've kind of learned as far as what to look for? I mean, I remember when I first started out as a as a manager, I would go for skill set. And boy, have I learned over the years, you know, I can train somebody to do something. It's personality for me. You know what I mean? That's the better fit. (laughs) And I'm wondering your thoughts on, you know, just some tips that you and strategies that you've picked up along the way. Um, I started my career in New York as a recruiter. I was a financial recruiter for the first four or five years. Um, 
not that it makes it any easier because the first lesson of hiring is that hiring is extremely hard. <laughs> and especially in a great economy, it's very, very hard to find talent that represents what you want to represent as a company. And, and for us, it's having that entrepreneurial spirit and um, being a self-starter and coming into a role and changing it and making it for the better. And that we're only been around for five and a half years. We know we barely scratched the surface as a company. We have a long way to go before we're perfect. And we want people that, that can come in here, sit back a little bit and, and, and kind of audit what we're doing here, mm -hmm. but then come to us as soon as they have an idea of how they can remove red tape, find efficiencies, improve things, create new roles, create new opportunities for people that have been here for a few years. And, and if they can think in that entrepreneurial mindset, that's the number one thing that we're looking for. And also the hardest thing to that, that as we grow from 47 team members to 90 or above, I know I've seen other companies get away from that and, and it's no fault of the company. It's just that you have to put policies and processes in place. And as we put policies and processes in place, we want to make sure that we still have that uh, scrappy, flexible startup mentality tech company. Yeah, mavericky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. You know, it strikes me listening to you talk about your team and their input. You know, it, I think it used to be kind of a stereotype that with older workers that they, they just didn't feel it was their place to go in and, and tell management or owners, you know, what they should be doing differently. And, you know, maybe you want to implement this. And I love that Gen Z, millennials, um, even, even Gen Xers, my generation, you know, they have such ownership of their roles now and they seem to go all in a little bit more, you know what I mean? And I think that's to the betterment of, of companies. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that. I, I honestly love it. I love anybody who speaks up and tells us how we can continue to improve uh, when we ask questions. I, I'd much rather hear uh, options for ways that we can improve versus you guys are doing everything right because the first thing we know is that we're not doing everything right. We hopefully are doing everything great, but we want to obviously try to find ways to do it better and, and really be that number one company in the space. And and continue to grow. And so we have these monthly lunching learns within Harper and Scott that are just for internal employees. Uh, anybody can lead a lunch and learn and come up with a topic that they think is best, whether it's somebody from our 3D creative team, somebody from our production team talking about sustainability. Um, but we don't want to lead from myself and John down. We want to lead from assistant account managers, associate production managers, and, and anybody up to us, teach us as leaders how we can best be as a company rather than us telling you. And that right there, my friend, is why I'm fairly certain that your company's on the best places to work list. <laughs> oh, thank you. So thank you. Congratulations, uh, Michael, to you and John and to your team. And thank you so much for your time, really. Thank you so much. It was great speaking with you, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Okay, take care. <laughs>